reached the voicemail of a man that used to love you. Place no one above you, the man who watched the sun rise and set before you. Now all that's left is the busy signal in a broken heart. I loved you. I remember how I would reach out to touch you. Your response, a lost signal of emotions, leaving me with unlimited minutes questioning if my intentions for loving you were worth it. My nights alone, filled with laughing bow tones, calling you was a joke. Me, the punchline, I disconnected a piece of me every time I speed dialed your name. Foolish to think your heart would click over to acknowledge me. There were maybes for the nights I spent wondering where you were, but knowing another carrier was holding you, caressing you, sexing you, giving you what you wanted. Hanging up was your thing. You live for prepaid affairs, no commitment to a love of your own. No rollover for the minutes burned crying for you. My love, an incoming call, answered only on your terms, otherwise ignore button hits. Lesson learned the hard way. This relationship's been disconnected. Past three notices received long time ago. I never paid them any attention. I'm confessing a love treating like late night booty calls and even then calls were dropped. Maybe I should have loved your ass the text message. Misspelled my feelings. Disabled autocorrect to make line easy. Should have swiped my affection LOL followed with of course I love you babe. Why are you tripping? Gave you my all and wanted nothing but you in return. Your plans limited in coverage, the wrong extension from day one, not bad for less dialing. I rebelled the day we met, never thought you'd be the one to hurt me. Confused church from your cricket as a heartbeat, I built my life around you. I loved you so much. Placed no one above you. Watch the sun rise and set before you everything we had with a blocked call. The heart you have bowed cannot receive any more of your bullshit. Don't bother to leave a message. Please hang up and never call again. Welcome to the healing space. I am Sensei Raven Akundayo. And I'm Brandon Harris Williams. I'm feeling like I've made a mistake in having the two of us on video on Skype. No mistake. I'm not going to make it through this episode. It's going to be good. (laughs) See, I can keep keep myself together. Really? Is he really doing this right now? I don't even... What is that dance called? I have... It's got a name. But. <laughs> I was about to say, are you doing the Patra right now? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, you don't know who Patra is. And here, here's where the age comes in. Okay. okay. It don't come in often. So it does. It, it, it's strong as fuck. Right? Listen, listen. Because if I say out of James, you know who I'm talking about. So I'm like, okay. I, right? <laughs> it legit like skips like the 80s and like the early 90s it just kind of glossed yeah, over that because because was early 90s so yeah yeah that's not it's smooth it's like <laughs> we're gonna meet you at 92 like i can't <laughs> um 
Anyway, thank you so much to our featured poet for this week, C. Thomas, for opening the show for us. He uses his art to be a voice for child abuse prevention awareness, Black Lives Matter, soon gender loving overall for the LGBTQ community. I'll make sure to provide you all this information at the end of the show during good news. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so happy that he decided to be a part of this for this week. I'm loving all of our poets that we have coming on for the month of April, which is uh, National Poetry Month, BHW. Yes! I already told you, uh, what was that, last week, that I can do my own poetry. But if you want me to, let me know. Because I got you, okay? So we're going to surprise the Misfits with some, uh, some poetry from you? I mean, we could definitely do that. We could definitely do that. Like, not today. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, but, but if I give you preparation... That's I can do a poem. Look, that's everything when it comes to you. <laughs> I can do a poem. Now, look, if it's again, if it's gonna be a good poem, mm-hmm. I can't promise that. But if it's a poem in general, then you can just do whatever, whenever. Okay. Most is a red. Okay. Uh, I finished. I was, I was, I was about to say, like, um, <laughs> that wasn't even a haiku. Like, <laughs> I just said I wasn't gonna do a poem. Okay. So okay. Maybe you can do a haiku though. We can we can work that out. Ah, that was only long enough for me. Oh, oh you need no. to give people all of how you feel. Okay, it, it's a struggle trying to condense. You know, I'm long winded. I just can't. Are just can't. very. Um, but anyway, okay. So uh, our featured guest for this episode is Afro queer playwright Donye R. Love. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 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 <laughs> My Loki is fan. Sorry. <laughs> you you enjoyed both. Listen, you saw how he went off of Donye and Ahari when we did Black Queer and Unapologetic. Listen, <laughs> it feels so interesting for me to be so close to Donye and to have so many friends who don't know him personally who love him mm-hmm. that way. <laughs> I'm like that's such an interesting feeling. I'm like that's cool. <laughs> Um, Dunye and I literally can talk all day, so we did our best to not go all, go on constant tangents during this interview. Because you're long-winded as well, yes. Hey. Hey. You know. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the reason why it needs to be all look. We're going to have to start doing uh, our YouTube videos where you can actually see both of us. Cause, yeah, I need to see his responses for everything. <laughs> It's not enough to hear his voice. He is an experience. <laughs> tell the people, okay? Tell them. It's a whole package right here. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, yeah, this is going to be a really good episode. I'm definitely looking forward to you guys being able to get into more of C. Thomas's poetry, as well as my conversation with Don Ye. But right now, let's get into our weekends. So, uh, what did your weekend look like, BHW? Ah! Well, this is my weekend at work, so it wasn't as exciting. But, um, Janae, um, Janae, her family, they came into town for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I hung out with them a little bit on Friday. I just kind of saw them real quick on my way into work, like, grab food. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, I went with them to, like, this, like, arcade slash bowling slash bumper car place. Okay. And hung out with them for a little bit, and then went to go to the movies 
Um, yeah, let's go to the movies. Yeah, we went to the movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was fun the first time. It just felt weird. Right. I was like, yes, that, that that's correct. You went to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and so we saw Black Panther because her little cousin uh, wanted to go see it. But me and, her cousin, me and her older cousin already seen it. Right. But it was still good the third time. And I still picked up on stuff I hadn't picked up on the first two times. I'm like, that is a movie. Okay. Because uh, everybody ain't able. Because some movies you'll see again, you'll be like, literally the exact same there was nothing new to take it wasn't that deep mm-hmm. but yes i like i really enjoyed it Come and i think on. didn't it surpass the titanic now it's like the third N- grossing no it's on its way yeah it's on oh. its way yeah Twitter um, told me it already did so they lied well see if it passed uh oh no 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 i'm sorry i had no it did for third right I, I was I had Titanic at two, but no, Titanic is uh is four now, now four because it's um it's uh Avatar and Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Force Awakens is number one. Avatar is number two. Uh, but it it's lists because Black Panther still isn't at um all time. So that well, I mean, all time as far as uh, top grossing movie of all time, Titanic mm. still above it as far as that. These are domestic, not gotcha. overall international. Well, that would make sense because Titanic been out forever, right. so it's going to manage for <laughs> any other movie to catch up with that. Like that makes sense. Um, so yeah, Avatar is still number one globally. Um, Titanic, I believed it did. I don't think Force Awakens overtook it as far as globally most money. Um, I'm not sure, but do, do, this is this is uh, on the on the domestic level. It's number three <laughs> now, and it's number one as far as comic book movies of all time. Um, uh, but now, there, but yeah, it's like legit gonna be beat out by another Marvel movie. I'm sure. Well, but. see, the, the only move, the only Marvel movie that could outdo it is the one that's coming now. But that's I need to make it'll this. either be that one or the like the Avengers four. It, it ain't gonna be four. It ain't gonna be four. And I'm gonna explain to you why it can't be four. It can only be three. No, it's gonna make sense. The only reason why it it could be three, and it may not be, but the only reason why it would be three is Black Panther. And this is the reason why. There are a lot of critics who have said this, and it's the absolute truth. The black audience is going to be what's going to push Infinity War over. Straight that makes up. sense. Yeah. I mean, so many folks, so many black folks weren't invested in the Marvel movies until Listen. Black Panther. Listen. Because so <laughs> you thought I was one of them, you black bitch. <laughs> what? What? Sorry, I'm gonna call y'all kind of bitches and hoes. Right, I'm like I'd have been that all day long. You, you had the coffee out your system now, so I don't know what your excuse gonna be. <laughs> right, and that coffee made me crash. I was still sleepy. I was like, you didn't do its job. Listen, okay, I'm texting you like, listen, we need to get on this recording. You playing around? <laughs> <laughs> Damn well, it! Knocked out. I'm like, I'm just gonna like the whole. Let me just sit here and close my eyes. But granted, I had my phone off of Do Not Disturb. It was turned on. The volume was up. And it's the one day you choose to text me instead of call me. And I was like, <laughs> I ain't hear nothing. Well, it, you didn't take long. In your defense, it didn't take you long to respond back. So, yeah. Amen. Look in, at it. In your defense. Um, but yeah, the reason why I say <laughs> that it couldn't be part four is because black people will have gotten... You, you, come on now. This, this is black people. Or this is black people. This is also millennials. You know, are the 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 time span is real quick for for care. So if Black Panther two isn't out by the time the fourth Avengers movie happens, then <laughs> black people are like, all right, well, you know, we we didn't got over our 
Black Panther everything. And it's like, okay, Black Panther is out here now. It's a part of our lives. We'll always be Wakanda forever. But it ain't enough for you to get all of us to get back up in there for part four. However, you brought out part three a smooth two months after you gave us Black Panther. So we're still excited. And the fact that not only have you given us all these characters, you've you've gone as far as to give us M'Baku in this new movie. So we're all going to be there for for, uh, Infinity War. So you can be the sure most random, but I had Grant haven't seen the movie yet, of course. But I'm like, everybody from Black Panther needs to be in this movie. But okay, <laughs> sure, sure. Well, well, it makes sense for Akoya and Shuri to be in it. Shuri <laughs> is the most intelligent of the people, you know, like in literal Marvel in general. Uh, yeah. And then Akoya is like second in command, so it makes sense for them to be there because they're on the battlefield. Um, I guess it will make sense for for uh, for it to be Mbaku. Because the war is going to be taking place in Wakanda, so of course you'd want your greatest fighters. But uh, but yeah, so I'm like, okay, I can see why that all makes sense. But um, <laughs> I'm just tripping because I'm like, well, I think they, I think they locked up the border drop, so <laughs> that's why all of them had to go down there and be on the border because it's like, oh, well, they there's, <laughs> there's no one to protect us, so we have to do it ourselves still, now. <laughs> still ain't like his ass in the third viewing of the movie. Ooh. He should have died. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but wait yes wait because we we got so but how far was off they, right i'm like was... we got so far off <laughs> i'm about to get upset I, it was coming okay we're gonna calm you down we're gonna calm you down in fact you shouldn't see it three times you can still get heated about a character <laughs> listen okay i'm gonna say the nicest thing i could call him i'm gonna say that it's because you're a writer and when you write your characters are like your children so they become very real. So that's how you're viewing these characters. They're very real to you. So <laughs> this person who gets their comeuppance every time you see the movie is still not good enough for you. Like, okay, we're going to let this go. He Did he? Yes, he, he was uh, arrested. I guess that wasn't enough for me. Clearly. <laughs> the fact that you can't remember it says enough. Like, what? You didn't see it three times? And you don't remember that he was taken away? Like, okay. Anyway, my weekend was pretty good. If y'all can see his face right now, he's literally sitting here trying to think about I'm like, no, you can be sure. He didn't get away. Like, oh, anyway, that's a shame that you need him dead in order for you to remember what happened in the film. Anyway, uh, so yes, my weekend was pretty cool. Uh, You know, I'm always loving weekends where I'm out every single day. So I'm here for that. (laughs) Like so uh, one of my friends came into town from Baltimore and we ended up uh, hanging out. I went and met him at 10th and Piedmont and we hung out. <laughs> Funny enough, before I got there, uh, a bunch of it was like a, a group of maybe six men and women who introduced themselves to him. And so he was chilling with them. And I was like, well, look at you making friends before I even have a chance to get to you. So he's on FaceTime and <laughs> they decide to pass around the phone. They take the phone from him and they're passing it around, <laughs> introducing themselves to me. So this oh, one yeah. dude was like, wow, you're really attractive. And I was like, thank oh. you. I appreciate that. And so um, <laughs> he kept trying to keep the phone to himself. But everybody was like, well, I want to speak to him. So he's like, he's so cute. So they're passing it around. Everybody's like, so when you coming? When you going to be here? I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm about to leave the house. So they were like, well, we're about to leave. So um, they were like, where do you live? And I was like, Riverdale? So I guess one of them Googled how long it would take to get from Riverdale to Midtown. And they were like, yeah, that's 20 minutes. We're going to be gone. I was like, okay. 
So right? he pulls like, the phone. That make me like, it's going to be an hour before I get there. Y'all going to be gone? <laughs> Please and thank you. So the guy pulls the phone back to him. And he was like, do you mind if I rub on your booty when you get here? <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, wait a minute. Like, what kind of conversation was my friend having with them before I got there? Like, what's going on? So hey. they take the phone back from him. And you can just hear my phone, my friend in the background, like, I apologize. <laughs> like, I apologize. <laughs> he's like, y'all need to stop before he decides he's not going to come no more. So I meet the rest of the people, but then the, the guy snatches the phone back again. And you can tell he's inebriated. So he was like, no, 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 but but for real, for real, can I eat your ass when you get here? I was like, wait. Yes, my eyes were just like yours. Listen. My eyes were like, Wait. What conversation was had about the wagon before? Right. Got, I'm like, wait, what, what? Shouldn't you have been talking about how you and I are going to go out and have big fun with the wretched? Like, I don't understand. How are you talking about? Yes! <laughs> yes! How are, you, how are you talking about my butt? I don't understand. So I'm like, what kind of, what were you doing on FaceTime? I'm like, <laughs> what I are we just really? Saying, I was fully dressed. I was about to walk out the door. So right, I don't like, know what conversation. Literally. Literally it was from the neck like, up. That's all it was. That's all it was. Maybe he's a kind of sore. He could tell from your face that you got the wagon. <laughs> I don't know. Some people are bros, okay? Like, listen. You better be able to tell from the structure of my face. <laughs> How my cheekbones are set up. I can't. It might be his ministry. We don't know. It was a, Come on. Worship. Listen. We can't hmm. speak about another person's ministry. Listen. So, we- it's his gift. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so I leave out and he calls me while I'm on my way and he was like, I am so sorry. (laughs) He was like, I did not expect for all of that to happen. I'm like, dude was bold. Like, and I'm gonna be honest, uh, if they would have stayed, I may have not gone because I was like, that's that's a lot to, I don't know if I'm gonna put up with all that. If it would have been him by himself, then I would have been fine. But I'm like, I don't have time for that with five other people who are friends of his. Especially because they're strangers to you. So I'm like, no, yeah. that that would have been a lot. But so they were gone by the time I got there. And so I sat down, ended up becoming uh, really good friends. And was it you? Was it you who was that with your friendly ass when I said I became friends with a bartender? Me. <laughs> they she, friends everywhere. I love it. Whatever. So she was really cool and found out she was a Scorpio. Uh, she immediately subscribed to the podcast. As so. she should. If you're listening right now and you're not subscribed, hit that button. <laughs> so that Thank was really you. cool. She was awesome. She said that she and her boyfriend may be interested in doing yoga with me. So I was like, come on now. Make it a couple yeah. situation. I teach couples. I'm here for it. I love uh, it. So yeah, so she made us uh, drinks, sat down and chilled. Then I realized I was across the street from my boy Brandon. So I texted him and I was like, you should come over and join us. So he was like, all right, cool. So he came over. Gemini, just like you. Um, a brand, right, two, two Brandon Geminis in my life. Who was it? I think it was Kevin that was like, you just draw Geminis to you. And I was like, I do. I don't know what it is. This whole shaking of the head and this disgusting <laughs> face that you're doing right now. I don't have time. Don't have time for that. I don't understand why I have so many on my life. I don't. Because for everything. Okay. I wouldn't say all that. Y'all something. I should. Yeah, Watch sure. it, not too much. <laughs> My father tried to come for Gemini's last night. She was like, "Y'all two faced." I was like, "Wait, listen, facts on facts on facts." Listen, take crazy. 
I'm not gonna Ooh, take the face. Every time I think I can let my guard down with y'all, and I'm like, okay, everything is all good. Gemini's all in my corner. Ooh, you just turned you you did it again. Okay. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> Gemini's are good for it. And and then that's what confuse you about y'all. Because y'all will be the best. Like I tell people, I'm like, I don't think any sign understands me the way Gemini's do. So y'all bring me in. Cause y'all be real understanding of me. And I'm like, okay. Gemini's be getting Scorpios. I feel that. And the next thing you know, I, it's almost like you 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 wonder if you'd rather somebody be full of shit or on some fuck shit on a regular basis. And you don't even talk the way I just did. So it lets you know the passion I feel about this. Um, <laughs> or if you'd rather it be like Gemini's. But here's the problem. People who do it on a regular basis, you get used to it. And you're like, all right, you ain't never about shit. I got you. But Gemini's be catching you off guard because y'all get real major with y'all's. So it's like y'all good all the time. And then when y'all do that fuck shit, it'd be out of nowhere and be real major. And it's like, wow. Okay. Got you. I'm in the exception. But yes. Is is that what you are? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Too much. You're the exception. Okay. Got you. Got you. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yes, <laughs> so so yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all hung out, and that was a lot of fun in the bar. So that was pretty much Friday. Um, Saturday, ended up having some bomb ass sex. And that was the best, you know. Real nice, real necessary. Back, take, take. On a trip, I saw it in your face. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. That was some real good stuff. It was nice. It, it, it was like midday sex too. So yeah, it was real, you know. Started oh. the day out because I started the morning out teaching yoga. Um, so I was like, all right, start out the morning out with yoga. Get nice and flexible. You know, everything's all good. Uh-huh. And then some good midday sex was like, all right, this is a a a proper flow from going from yoga into some real good midday sex. And then you know, ended up going out to dinner. And so that was real good. Yeah. Some food and drinks. Um, and then that was followed by uh, Pont City Market. And went and walked across the Beltline for a little while. And that was fun because I got to see the next part of the Beltline that they've built so far. It's, it's, it's funny to live here while they're building the Beltline. So you can literally see the continuation of what it is that they're building. So that was really cool. And I think that was everything. It was a pretty long day. Like Saturday was pretty long. But it was a lot of fun. Hope I didn't forget anything. And then yesterday, <laughs> the only thing I ended up doing, um, which was, well, wait, you know, of course, this goes up on Tuesday. So what happened on Sunday, forgive me, because we're recording this on Monday. So <laughs> what happened on Sunday was uh, my friends uh, John, Clarissa, and Daniel invited me to come over to their place because they were having a brunch. And so that was really awesome. Those okay. pictures you posted of the brunch, I said, yes. Wasn't that food everything? Listen. Oh, and food normally does not photograph well. And I feel like that's all food. Listen. So, on what you was over there doing with your camera. <laughs> but you did that. Listen. I'm like, I hope Daniel saw, because Daniel made everything. <clears throat> so I'm like, I hope he saw those pictures. I'm like, look, I'm making sure people understand just how good. he. When I say he, the way he led, laid that spread out. Oh, yes. I was like, you better be a master of your craft. Come on. Love it. 
I had already eaten before I got there because brunch was at two thirty, so I was like, I can't wait for all that. So um, I no, was able to do that. No. Right. <laughs> I got up at like the actual morning time. Yes. I was up at like nine yesterday, so I was like, No, uh-uh. I'm not Wouldn't gonna be because I ate everything at two thirty up in <laughs> Would have been my brunch. Wouldn't have been no brunch for nobody else. Like no. No. Uh-uh. So yeah, I was mostly mimosas. Yeah, so that that was about my story at the brunch. But um, but yeah, so then I had to leave there because I had to come home to record for the podcast. So yeah, it was a very eventful weekend. It was yeah. a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. I loved it very much. I feel like I have some things coming up this weekend, but there's so many things I'm trying to keep track of what it was. <laughs> I'm always putting all of the business and stuff that I need to do during the week in the calendar, but for some reason the weekend always I'm like, oh, I didn't put that in there. Oops. My bad. Too bad. Huh. Listen, you, you don't put nothing in your phone. So what you talk about? I'm not as busy as you are. Child. So okay. that's okay though, because once you appear to Atlanta, you will be. How about that? How about that? If, if you got anything to do with it, I, you right. Shall I'm gonna make sure you're going into <laughs> meetings, talking to people about your show ideas. Listen, don't play me. I see. <laughs> don't I see. play with me. Except when you say you're going to Tyler Perry Studios, and that's when I'm going to be like, no, and I'm going to cut you off. I'll be open to that depending on what the job is. Okay. I'll be open. There's, um, it's actually funny enough, me and Thomas have talked about it. Um, there's this movie called Dancing in September. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Most people probably have not. It was a TV movie with Nicole Eric Parker and Isaiah Washington. And, like, they're screenwriters, and so they're, like, trying to get their big break or whatever. And so earlier in the movie, she's working in a comedy writer's room, and they're, like, going over the script. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, we're done with this page. Let's move on to the next one. She's like, wait, I got a few notes. And she's, like, new in the room. And so she's, like, that annoying person. She ends up getting fired. Oh. I can say that's spoiler because it's the very beginning of the movie. Right, right. Like, that, that would be me, probably, no matter where I go. <laughs> like, if I was to have worked on Scandal, we'd be reading. I'd be like, wait, did that make sense? Can we go back and discuss? Like, <laughs> and so if I worked for Tyler, I'd probably be like, sir. Really? Mm. But he writes everything himself, so it wouldn't be no writer's room over there. So. Oh, you can tell he writes everything for himself. You see acrimony. But yeah. anyway. I'm uh, going to see that at some point. I've heard nothing but bad things, but I'm, I'm and, out of expectations. Which is why I'm never going to see it. Because just, <laughs> just here are two things. From the commercials that I've seen, and then from the reviews, because I've made sure I've listened. When it comes to Tyler Perry movies, I won't give him the money to go see it, but I want them broken down to me. Just so I can know that I was right for not going to see them. <laughs> and these reviews that I've heard, woo boy. I'm like, oh no, it sounds just as bad as what I expected it was going to be. I can just tell from the commercials. Uh, there, there are some movies it comes out with, like Why Did I Get Married? Where you say to yourself, okay, no, this looks like this is actually going to be a genuine fun time. You know, <laughs> until he makes a sequel and it's bullshit. Um, but then he gives you something like Let's- this. <laughs> And you're like, Taraji, you do know better. I'm absolutely certain of that. You do know better. I don't know if he put something in your contract you can't share with us, but... Taraji wanted a quick check, which is fine. And that's fine. Go go ahead and get your money. She was like, signing up for the Tyler movie means I'm just going to be out. It ain't going to take no more than a week. So I got time. She said, I've been nominated for an Oscar already. So you... Okay. They said she two for two with bad movies this year. I was about to, I was literally about to say. I was. I haven't seen to... any, so I can't. Listen, you don't got to see it in order for you to know. You don't have to see it in order for you to know. She is not doing good this year, but you know she she's had some stellar ones. So it's like okay, okay. Wait, she'll be back to playing herself in something else soon. Right. So hey, 
<sighs> Did you say she'll be back to playing herself in something else? <laughs> she played for the past 20 years. Absolutely. Love That's her. She does true. it well. That's she does it well. I refuse to believe in. I don't know if they to play that game. What is it called? What a man wants. What is the name of the movie? <laughs> Think like a man. <laughs> Think like a man. <laughs> Although she is going to be in What a Man Wants. She is so going to be, be in, in that yeah, remake. So. Yeah, she is going to be in the remake. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I keep telling you, she was this really bougie woman in that movie, and she ain't bougie. So, so I'm like, look. To I me, still saw Tarashi, <laughs> but I hear you. I hear you. Maybe you thought that I was about to say maybe you thought that was Taraji when she's in white spaces. That's the role she was playing. But no, Taraji's always herself. So Listen, <laughs> authentically, unapologetically loud. Well, this is the reason why I'm saying that she wasn't her in that movie, because there was nothing even remotely ratchet about her in that film. She actually act like she was good most of the time. So I'm like, and you know, that's not her. Taraji can get real good on you. So I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, OK, <laughs> look at her. I hear you. I do. <laughs> Acting I like she, she lives in Calabasas. Okay. I think she pulled it in slightly, but it was still Taraji to me. But <laughs> I enjoy her. She Again, she plays herself very well. She does it. She does that. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have to have Angela on that list anymore. I'm so glad that I can separate her now. And I can be like, you know what? After American Horror Story and Black Panther, I no longer put Angela on the she also. She always shows up herself list. I don't have to do that no more. Well, no. I don't think Angela showed up as herself. Now, the same, I'll give you. But I don't think it was her, if that makes any sense. Okay. Like, Taraji is playing Taraji. I don't think Angela was playing Angela. I think Angela was like, I'm going to play Anime Bullock in every movie. If that makes any sense. <laughs> I'm going to be Bernie Dean in every movie. I'm not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, well, we still got work on this, though. So, Speaking of, let me try the segue thing. Okay. Of being unapologetically yourself. Come on, segue. Let me find out. Let me find out. Yes. He learned Cardi's album came out. God. <laughs> and then she revealed her baby bump. Look at God. I low-key wish she had a different baby daddy, but that's neither here nor there. The baby coming at this point. They ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> that's the important thing. Listen. Say that. I, you got to do with me? Yes, because I personally think that our misfits are intelligent <laughs> enough to not be those kind of people. But the reason why I said say that again is because more people <laughs> need to hear that. I don't got <laughs> nothing to do with you, Sharon. It, 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 it's one thing to say how you feel and then keep it pushing. It's another thing <laughs> to say how you feel and then start acting like you have anything to do with her life whatsoever. So I'm like, listen. I normally can't remove myself. It's a couple celebrities I'm a little too invested. But with Cardi, I can... <laughs> I can remove and say, oh, I'm happy for her. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's very honest of you. <laughs> yes, because, you know, if we speak about Mary J, I'm going to get heated. So that's all we're going to say. We're gonna I keep have been a witness. Yep. So have you have you listened to the album, to Cardi's album? I have several times. I and really enjoned it. Okay, good, good. Yes, yes. Are, are there any I, favorite um, tracks? or? He said do what? Are there any favorite tracks? I like Bacon Head, which which samples Chicken Head. I'm like, okay. yes! Bodak Yellow still rides. Mm-hmm. Like, a whole last year later, whatever this is. It, like, still goes. Still. <laughs> um, What is it? What's the first one? Like, Get Up, I like. And I really like Through Your Phone. 
Um, yeah, the whole album. Okay, yeah. there we go. There yeah. we go. So, so I'm pretty much me when it came to Chloe and Hallie. Okay, right, I was like, let me not list everything. So, but yeah, <laughs> I even enjoyed the song she has with Rock Paper on there. I'm like, yes. Who? What? SZA. Rock Paper. SZA. Oh my God! No, I'm moving on. <laughs> on. No, <laughs> we're moving. We're moving on. <laughs> I wow wow oh I don't know if I'm more over you or over me <laughs> oh I'm so shook right now <laughs> like, woo okay so <laughs> staying staying uh staying on the theme of music Drake came out with a new video this past week he did so on to Roseanne and during Roseanne is really getting people who are really feeling some kind of way. So I don't, I don't understand. Like now it has it, to do with just so, cause I think you and I even talked about this. Like it's such a, at times it's good that we're in such a more of a sensitive, I guess, time period. Cause there are some things that have been like offensive forever that were like swept under the rug, Very not true. her, but like in general and with yeah. comedy different things. So that, like, Me Too movement, on one hand, makes sense. Like, right. Black Lives Matter, different stuff. Like, we get it. You know, these are things that need to be addressed. Absolutely. But there are definitely some people, and I really don't think it's a... It is. Never mind. I was going to say it's not a millennial thing, but I think the, the age limit for millennials. But it's definitely, like, it, everything is an issue. Like, I, and I don't know why. Yeah. Like, we talked about this before, I have to be upset about everything. Because there was a joke on the Roseanne episode last week where her and Dan fell asleep on the couch. They were waking up and um, they were like, oh, we slept through all of our shows. And um, she was like, we fell asleep with Wheel of Fortune and then woke up with Kimmel. Mm-hmm. And I think Dan was like, oh, so we slept through the blacks and the Asians talking about blackish and fresh off the boat. Right. She was like, okay, they're just like us. And folks were so upset. Yeah. It's three family sitcoms. That's basically what they meant. Like, let's, <laughs> let's keep it. <laughs> Well, you, I read some stuff that got so much deeper than that. So much deeper than that. <laughs> so literally, all deeper. it was like y'all, y'all would think Roseanne is all in the family. Good. <laughs> Listen, but my thing is, is that all in the family <laughs> wouldn't even survive in 2018. Listen, Listen it might, it might air because I thought there might be a lot of millennials who aren't as familiar with the show. Right. But as soon as it came on, they'd be like, oh, hell no. Like, all the older people who are, like, upset about everything, y'all yeah. know that that shit wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but y'all also would not give a damn. Right. It's, it's so weird to me, though. <laughs> I don't know. And, and I know there are a lot of people, including a lot of misfits. So I'm not even going to, you know, usually I take our audience out of it. But I know a lot of our audience who are probably going to feel the exact same way and not really agree with what I'm about to say. But... I believe in being consistent across the board. So when I say I believe in balance, I believe in balance in everything. So I don't I don't get how we get to have Dre constantly saying whatever it is he wants about white people. And then we don't get to have Roseanne being able to say whatever it is that she wants to say. Like, it, it completely goes against everything that we're attempting to fight for. Like, how exactly. is it that we rise and then as we're rising, we have to push other people down that's literally what's been happening to us. So how is it we want to? We don't want to be equal. We want to reverse it and then put people where it is that we've had to fight to get out of. You know, listen, because they say some off the wall shit on uh, Blackish, listen. like Bert and also Dre, like everybody over there. I don't know if it's equal opportunity because it's all the same show. Right? So that's why it's okay, 
Right. And that's the reason why I've always loved it because it's equal opportunity. I love that the white people on blackish get to be just as ignorant as black people. So I'm like, why is it that Roseanne isn't the same? Does it have all to do with the fact that she's a Trump supporter in real life? Because that's weird to me. I'm like, that's so... It, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, it, I think it really is more of her... her um, I guess her, her... I'm not say her persona, but whatever. Like, her public image, who, who, right. who she is in real life. Because I think that so many people struggle... Like we talked about before, struggle with the separation of the artist and the art. Right. Like people had to stop watching The Cosby Show. Yeah, yeah. This is like, what, that came out, what, 2015, 14? Like, the show ended when? <laughs> That's all of a sudden impacted the whole eight seasons that, now, now again, I'm not dismissing any of Absolutely. the victims or anything like that, but I'm saying, like, fans of the show, I don't yeah. get how you all of a sudden that changes your whole thinking for the eight years that it was on. Yeah, and and my, my thing is, is that you don't have to agree with the way that Roseanne feels, but here's the thing. She doesn't. She doesn't stand down to anyone. She says what it is she says. She stands in her truth. How many black people can you and I go off the top of our head right now, who we know personally and then professionally in the entertainment business, who act just like her? So I'm like, how is it that they get to be no nonsense and so, or taking it away from just black people, liberal people? How many people are on the Democratic side who can say whatever they want about anybody and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, and cheering for them. But then when she does it, then it's wrong. No, if it's free speech, it gets to be freedom of speech across the board. Like, I don't, that's very, but then see the conversation you and I are having is confusing to people because they don't get how we stand on one side of things, but yet we can see the other side. But to me, that is the literal definition of being woke. So that's why I'm like, it's always funny to me how all these people say they're woke, but I'm like, no, you're actually sleepwalking because this is imbalanced as fuck. Like, how is it that you're completely leaning to one side? How is that woke? Uh, I, I just, I, uh, <laughs> I just don't understand, like, there's plenty of things I don't like. And we've discussed on this show, like, Absolutely. so many things. Like, and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't hear for that. I didn't enjoy that, whatever. But I'm not the type to be like, don't watch that, don't support this, you shouldn't be watching so-and-so. That's just not my personality. Because right. that takes too much out of me. Like, now, if you ask me, I'll go in. Absolutely. If, if the feeling arises and, you know, right. I'm in the moment, in the mood. But I I just don't, why do I have to lead a, a call to tell you not to watch such-and-such? Yeah. Yeah. I have to listen to so-and-so. Like, Pretty much. <laughs> you're a fan at that point, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we, we, we've let that be known. We go ahead and exhale that because there's a possibility we may end up meeting and talking about Roseanne quite a few times during her Listen, season. It's only nine episodes. Like, damn. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to speak really quick on Grey's Anatomy um, because I'm really, really happy with this season. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that showrunner Krista Vernoff has returned. Yeah. And she left. What was it, season seven when she left? I was trying to find that out. I couldn't quite remember. But okay. well, I, I do know they said it was 2007 that she left. I do know that was the year. And then she came back for this season. Um, why are you shaking your head? Longer than that. Oh, because okay. I was looking at IMDb. It was like 2010. Oh, when I when I well when I googled her and read up on her uh, Wikipedia, which of course you know you can't always trust what Wikipedia says, but yeah, they said 2007 was when. She but that left. has to be wrong because 2007 is like what was that like third season ish? Listen, and if it came on like 2005, you know what I'm saying? It couldn't already be at season seven in 2007. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm gonna go ahead and go with you because that's taking away from I was time thinking, that we could. 
Yes, okay. thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's back on the show, and the, the this season is so good. You know, it, like it really feels like a breath of fresh air watching this season. All of the episodes have genuine laughs, genuine tears, and all of them feel like they have a purpose. You know, even though I can watch every season of Grey's Anatomy over and over again, literally every single one, there are some seasons where it feels like. I won't say that they dropped the ball, but it, it doesn't feel like it has the heart that it sometimes has had. And mm-hmm. this season really harkens back to older seasons um, from the beginning, where I felt like it just has a lot of heart in it. All of the episodes feel like the writers are really, really invested. And I know that has to have something to do with her, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's like they're able to give you equal laughs and tears. And it's not, good lord, and it's not like the most catastrophic things are constantly happening. Like. <laughs> I'm like, people can have bad lives without crashing in planes. Listen, <laughs> Shonda is good for that on Grey's, so. Because <laughs> at one season finale, we're like, ended with the wedding, and there was nothing. I was like, is that it? <laughs> like, she, episode? She only like, did that because of the fact that she probably, well, no, never mind. You know, I always tell, tell you about how Shonda don't care. You can write in all you want, and Shonda will still do what she want to do. That's one of the ones energy. I talk about. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> Not backing down. So she probably has some writers just come to her and be like, "Okay, we know you don't care, but just for the fans, can we have a season that ends normal? Like, nothing <laughs> catastrophic has happened. Like, can we do that just for one season at least?" <laughs> um, but yeah, so so definitely a shout out to Grays. I am loving this season. I cannot wait to see how it ends. And uh, yeah, it really is. This is the fourteenth season. And I've already gone back. I didn't actually. I actually didn't tell you this. And usually, you and I keep each other abreast of when we start binging older shows again. But I went back and started watching Grey's again. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And Grey's is like a warm comforter to my life that I'll just turn on a season and go to sleep to it. Like <laughs> that's what it is in my life now. <clears throat> Me living single, but yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, lastly, for culture of pop, uh, you wanted to talk about the Housewives reunion. Yes, the House of Atlanta reunion was Sunday night. It was really enjoyable hour of television. It was like so much better than the whole season has been. <laughs> like it's been so dry and boring. They really need to do some recasting for season eleven because season ten is supposed to be like big, like up there, like explosive, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And this is like, <laughs> come on here. <laughs> and I think because though like all of them have been on the show at least like six years at this point right. so it's like okay it's time to shake things up. right so at least three of them need to go come on at least I can feel that at least I can feel- just change it up because folks are like the show needs to end the show doesn't have to end because the show is none of the six or seven women and like the show is yeah. <laughs> Housewives of Atlanta so what if I all of them and get six new girls y'all gonna still people in. would still watch this is very true as a matter of fact, you'll probably get really high numbers if you take everything, take everybody off and bring a new crop in, because people will be interested in seeing what the storylines are about. So yeah, exactly. So, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. Next <laughs> week's gonna be a little more explosive, but I just need them to change it up for season eleven. I don't need everybody to come back. Right. One person's already been fired again, and <laughs> I need a couple of people to get fired. That's all. <laughs> so that's all. <laughs> that's all. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> we are done with culture of pop. We went in for this culture of pop. <laughs> we did. Look at us. And we thought we had nothing to talk about. Listen, we straight what we recording. Like, <laughs> what are we going to talk about for culture of pop? We don't have anything. 
Clearly, we be wrong. Um, <laughs> so, okay, you guys, you're going to get into this next piece by C. Thomas. And then after that, on the other end, will be my conversation with Donye R. Love. As a kid, when I misbehaved, my mother told stories of monsters who live in the dark or under my bed to scare me. She said sometimes these mythical creatures crept from out of the closet to frighten naughty children into good behavior. Scared to death, the measures I took trying not to disturb the dark included. Leaving the lights on to ensure a good night's sleep. My feet tucked in the bed securely. My head buried under covers while laying in fetal position, I convinced myself following these procedures would prevent the monsters from finding me. But what if I told you I still believe in monsters? That the very thought makes me a punk, a coward, a scared little child who jumps at shadows on any bump in the night. I nearly soil my pants when I feel someone walk up on me. I exercise my right to fear well. And they like it. Monsters in uniform that prey on my panic-induced adrenaline rush. Creatures of the night dressed in blue ready to Miranda whites my soul. Looking at me with flashlights making me a suspect. Hearing the feedback from dispatch making me a match. A routine traffic stop or final destination. I know this monster well. Hand me your license and registration. Place your hands on the steering wheel. I'm going to need you to step from out of your car. Hand on holster with a drawn revolver. Being pulled over by the police is a scary story told too often. They like to yell, boom, with their guns. Mommy, I don't want a gun cover my head today. Hands over eyes trying to make the monster go away. Officer, I promise you I didn't mean to misbehave. I didn't mean to drive while black today. I didn't mean for my skin to be the darkness that attracts you. But surely you wouldn't be here if you saw the light. If my skin was white. But my hands and feet are tucked in the handcuffs securely and you're still the architect of my feet of position. Might as well walk in the woods when going home at night. There are creatures with tasers for tongues who stalk the streets. Their howling sounds like freeze. Put your hands above your head and in every encounter they let me know they can be served to protect white privilege. It's a full moon and likings, they like to travel in packs. They be liking the way I resist arrest when I'm laying handcuffed face down on the ground. They be liking the way I talk back when I say I can't breathe. They be liking the extra beat in my heart when I hear them growling and kicking and beating my Africa under rainbows. They be liking when I'm not moving. Dark meat has been their favorite prey. The police have been haunting my people for years, turning black lives into ghost stories to keep my people from misbehaving. They know their hate crimes will be televised and labeled a closed case because for a police officer, a conviction is a fairy tale. 
a horror story that the litany of never-ending sequels and I, C. Thomas, could be the next entry. So, Mom, good job. You've done it. I'm scared. Donye R. Love is an Afro-queer playwright, poet, and filmmaker hailing from Philadelphia. His accomplishments include being a recipient of the 2018 Lawrence Hatcher Foundation Award and the 2017 Princess Grace Playwriting Fellow. He's the co-founder of the Each Other Project, an organization that helps build community and provide visibility through art and advocacy for the LGBTQ people of color. He has a training background from Juilliard and is the creator of The Love Plays, which we'll be discussing today. Donye, my love, welcome to The Healing Space. Yes! <laughs> you made me sound so esteemed and prestigious. <laughs> Come on, voice! <laughs> Giving James Earl Jones realness. <laughs> you Come so through! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh, who is Donye? <laughs> Come through. I don't want to know more about you. Yeah. I'm like, who is me? <laughs> How can I find out some more about me? I sound real interesting right now. <laughs> Come through. Okay. You're so silly. Hey. <laughs> so how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm um I'm just out here living the best possible life I can live. Listen, you are not complaining. Well. Look, 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 God, the universe, the ancestors, the scars, the stars, the trees, everything is just whew, working in my favor right now. And I'm not complaining. Listen, as uh, be, be, complaining. being someone who knows the backstory behind your web series, I Hate New York, and oh, I will have to not jump ahead of myself, mm-hmm. but to know that backstory and to see where you are now, I need you to understand that as everything begins to flow into your life. How full I was of light for you to know where you were and how you felt into where you are now. Don't look like I said. I'm getting ahead. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah, because that was a journey. And, and and what was so interesting is like when I was talking about uh, like God, the universe, the ancestors, and like all of these things uh, helped me get to where I'm at. I meant to say stars. Yeah, but I accidentally said scars. Wow. That is wow. literally the universe telling me to honor all of those Come on. moments in your life. Come Even on. the scars, the pain, the hurt, all of those things uh, Listen. propelled me, took me to where uh, I'm supposed to be in this given moment right here, right now. It's all about right? balance. So the scars, exactly, the scars that uh, helped me create uh, that web series yeah. helped get to where I'm at right now. Yeah. But yeah. It's all about the lessons and the blessings. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, now, <laughs> listen. I should have let the misfits know. I'm like, y'all need to understand that we be having church and we have conversations. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Who? Yes, you better say mishaps when I said misfits. Come on, listen. <laughs> the universe is working. They're, they're she working and she's working. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not mad at either. Okay. <laughs> The misfits need to understand the mishaps. Come on. (laughs) You better coin that one. To prepare you for the comeback. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Let me get into my first question. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) 
we are also very tangent heavy too. So <laughs> look, I'm, I'm about to say, let me find out this whole time we're just gonna be kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wait, at the end of it. They're like, did they actually get to any questions? Like, <laughs> or did we just sit in on a whole key session? Like on a whole on? key session. <laughs> you know I'm here for it all. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you and I met back mm-hmm. in 2010. 2010. It wasn't 11. It would it had to be either 9 or 10. I think you're right. I think it was 2010. Okay. I think it was 2010 because there uh, you are hosting uh, uh, Poetry Spoken Word. Yes. Yep. Um, and a good friend of ours, uh, Lyrispect, mm-hmm. uh, she was supposed to uh, be the poet, but she wasn't able to make it. So she was like, hey, Danye. And at the time, I had a poetry group called the Lyrical Playground. Oh, playground. She was like, hey, we're doing the Lyrical Playground. Uh, like to go to uh, Baltimore uh, to be a part of Storytellers. And we all jumped in a car and we <laughs> rode our asses from Philly to Baltimore and it literally was such an amazing transformative experience where that was the universe at work listen that listen was the universe at work listen okay first of all I'll work work already because <laughs> you literally just finished breaking down more than half of my question <laughs> <laughs> Literally, my whole question had everything you just said in it. I'm reading as you're talking. I'm like, yup, yup, yup. He's making my life real easy right now. <laughs> I hate those talking points. Very organically. Come on, come on. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was it. Was it was really special? Not only mm-hmm. because of the fact that it connected us, but mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if you remember this. Everybody in the group was fire. But you received a standing ovation because that's just how much you touched us. Wow. Listen. And I hit back, I hit Nina, I hit Lyris back later and I was talking to her. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I was in my feelings initially when you said that you weren't coming. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was so last minute, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like, but the Lyrical Playground came down here and Vision came down. And when Mm -hmm. I say the way they killed it. You knew mm. what you were doing, my sister. She was like, yeah, you know what's going to do you wrong, you know? I'm like, wow. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when I say that you received a standing ovation and that my co-host, Quill, he was in tears. Mm. And he couldn't stop talking about you for the next week. Wow. Because he said you told his story, you know? Ooh. And me, I, I'm getting skills right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and me, yeah, yeah. you know, at the time I didn't know you. But over the years, as we've learned and become family to one another, I can look at his story, knowing his story. And yeah, you spoke his life on that stage that night. Wow. And he bawled while you were on stage. Like, no one else existed before or after you. <laughs> after you mm. He's just sitting there like it was his story literally on stage. And that mm-hmm. was like, what? mind you, you only did one piece. Like, y'all were coming around uh, in a circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, so, yes, so like, like literally you I'm saying yes like this because you're reminding me like that is what we did. Yes. That is the choreography. <laughs> wow. And and like I think it's 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 so fitting uh that that, that event, that that space yeah. um, that you created was called Storytellers because essentially like that's like that's what I've started to understand um 
is what I do at the end of the day. I am a storyteller. Yeah. Yes, playwright. Yes, poet. But at the end of the day, I am this vessel being opened to tell these stories. And it's so beautiful that you and I are here right now having this conversation. And we were able to meet, to have this conversation years later from storytellers. Yeah. Come so on. look at that. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say before we started recording this whole thing with organic? Listen, yes, 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 but yes, and 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 like I'm 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 so grateful for that. Uh, whenever we do speak, it is very like organic and it's very natural and it's uh, filled with love. And like I just think that's uh, testament to like the spaces that like you create and how you, at least for me, uh, make me feel like um, I'm visible, I'm seen, uh, I matter. Um, and that I am supposed to be here in this given moment with you. And I think that's like really, really rare because sometimes you can ask yourself like, why the fuck am I here right now? <laughs> but never with you. Like it, it always for me feels like I'm supposed to be here right now for this moment. I may not understand why, but I know I'm supposed to be here right now. Thank you. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot for real. <laughs> um, mm. I'm attempting. So, so misfits, I'm in the studio and we're watching each other. Like I told you, I started doing last week when I do my Skypes. Now I do video because I think it helps with the connection and being able to see one another, even though Don Ye and I like, <laughs> he's so fancy, <laughs> but I want him to be able to see my eyes. And I'm like a shadow right now, but I'm like, mm-hmm. we connecting and I'm like, damn it. I want him to see my eyes better. <laughs> but here, here's the gag misfits. We had that whole conversation and it still wasn't my question. So, um, <laughs> What we talked about was the introduction to my question. <laughs> Come on now. So, you know we can go on and on. Okay. So my question is, who was Donye then? Mm. How soft were you externally at that time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a really good question. And I think I'll start with the uh, second half to that question in terms of like softness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not be surprised if there's a large number of people who equate softness with weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that time, I was a different version of soft. Mm. I was someone who was very weak in themselves, yeah. not really knowing who Danye was, uh, not really knowing or understanding Danye's purpose. Right. Um, I was very insecure. I was someone who needed to be validated um, and and wanted to be loved. Mm. And I was seeking outwardly for that love. I wasn't really practicing uh, what needed to be practiced to really love myself so that I can be open in a way to receive the love because I'm already cultivating that within myself. So that's uh, who Danye was, this very weak, uh, minded person, um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, um, this, 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 this very weak person who, at the end of the day, just really didn't know who he was and thought that I was able to find myself in other people. Right. Um, whether that was through building uh, friendships, whether that was through uh, finding lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, that was how I thought I was able to find love. And then I, through a lot of trial and error, realized that it's 
it starts with me first and foremost. Yeah. It starts with me first and foremost. And then what was so interesting is that I became a different version of soft. Yeah. Um, I became this version of soft that uh, understands that um, as fragile as I am, yeah. I'm also equally strong Come as on. well. Mm-hmm. I can exist in both those spaces of being completely open, being completely vulnerable in myself, yeah. but then also very strong um, and firm in who I am as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was the Danye that uh, you met back in 2010. Yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> and when you when you and b- before we uh, before we got on for the interview, Danye and I were conversing. And uh, I told him, I was like, I'm going to use some of that in this interview. So I don't know if I'm going to end up using that as what uh, what we promote the episode with or what. But we're using that. Um, it was a conversation we were having about seeing one another. And I always tell people about the importance of watching your own evolution. And that there is a difference between simply evolving and watching your evolution. You know, it's it's something about watching your evolution. Anyone I know who has ever been aware of their evolution taking place, they don't do a lot of backsliding. You know, mm-hmm. they're very aware. OK, I can pinpoint exactly where I was at that time. Yeah, I, I, we're, we're human. We're flawed. So we may begin to slide, but we don't allow ourselves to just lay in it and be there. You know, yeah. so I I. I think that it's so special that I was able to see who you were at that time and to see who you are now and to have existed in your life throughout so much of that. And I know I'm going to say this throughout the course of the interview, but I really, really mean this from like the the fullness of my heart. I'm so proud of you because you you have been so transparent with your Mm. journey. You've been Mm. so open about what it is you've been through that I feel like. Since you've been so open with what you've been through, it's only fitting that we be so open with our celebration of you. you know? mm-hmm. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, and I, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't anything that I really thought deeply on in terms of should I share share this? Should I uh, say this? Look, I love me some social media, <laughs> and I will post down on there. Um, and so. Whenever I would go through things, uh, things being extremely uh, victorious, uh, joyous, I would post that. And whenever I would go through dark moments, I would post that um, as well. I would post about my depression. I would post, like, Lord, I just need a drink right now. Like, I would post all of these things. Um, post about my uh, post about my uh, status. Uh, post about, like, broken hearts. Posting about these things. Um in a way, for me, being able to like navigate through it, and then also in a way to put out into the uh, atmosphere, into the universe, accountability mm-hmm. and like understanding exactly like where for because this is also this time capsule. Because now Facebook want to throw your past in your face, like oh, remember this five years ago? Remember <laughs> this thing seven years ago? And and and. Whenever certain moments come back, I'm like, oh, wow, I remember that Danye. Yeah. And I'm so grateful um, for that journey and for the Danye that I'm standing in right now. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so I would just like that was one of the reasons why I would I would post as this time capsule um, so I could be able to look back on my terms of who I was and who I am right now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. 
So... In 2018, many of us are still fighting to break out of our hardness. It's a day-to-day chip-away process. Mm -hmm. Why do you believe being soft is only now beginning to get some form of traction? Uh, So I I feel like there is um, a shift. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking uh, predominantly to uh, blackness. I think within our community, there is uh, a major shift in how we uh, handle ourselves, mm-hmm. how we look at ourselves, and in particular, thinking about literally all the violence um, that's uh, done to our community, all the violence uh, that's been done to our bodies, and we've just like been... Um, cultivating these spaces and like galvanizing ourselves to say um no like you world you think that we are so hard and so in order to attack in order to destroy in order to change this hardness you have to literally kill us Mm. and we're showing um not just the world but we're showing ourselves um that we aren't these hard beings we are very soft we're Mm. like beautiful delicate flowers and we need to be um handled as such um and so like just thinking of history and thinking of the past current events that have been taking place is that we as a community have been uh really conscious and even i'll say subconsciously understanding how soft we really are Mm -hmm. and how um, it's okay to be soft and how especially like you hit a breaking point, right? Mm-hmm. Is there's is, is but so much shit that you can go through, and you will hit a breaking point. And I feel like collectively, um, we've hit a breaking point in this moment, yeah. And cracking whatever hardness we've put on ourselves, mm-hmm. um, to allow that softness to really come through and to handle ourselves accordingly. And like I've just been loving what's been going on over like the past few years of people actively practicing self-care yeah. and having conversations about self-care and having conversations as uh, uh, black folks about going to uh, 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 like therapy and really talking these things through because once upon a time that was something on the hush hush yeah. that was oh you're quote unquote crazy that's when you go to talk to somebody that's when you go to a therapist no you can be in your perfectly sound mind and go and speak to somebody yeah um so yeah, so I think that's one of the the reasons why softness is starting to like really be looked at in a way of like reverence yeah. because we understand that it's but so hard that we can be um, and understanding the hardness that people see when they look at us. So we're cracking ourselves open first and foremost for ourselves yeah. to be able to to feel the softness that we have in ourselves. So that creates, first of all, preach, first of all, <laughs> that's, that's first, speak that truth. Uh, but I want to make a, a beautiful transition because you are a champion of softness. Mm-hmm. And as such, you've now decided to take your ideas of what softness is and put it into physical form. So correct me if I'm wrong, but tomorrow, as of this recording, tomorrow is the premiere of soft, correct? Yeah, at uh, the New Black Fest uh, here in New York. Yeah, uh, it'll be a presentation of 
yeah, this play soft, which I've been working on now for almost 10 years. It was one of the first plays that I wrote, and it was a journey to get from where the play started to where the play is. And what's so interesting is um, I love writing about women. Mm-hmm. I love writing specifically about and for black women. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have so much reverence for uh, black women in general. And with that being said, the gag is uh, Soft is the only play that I have just men. Right. Um, black and brown men. And within this story, I envision a world where these black and brown men are soft, beautiful flowers. Mm. So what what does a world look like where we see this nigga who is on the corner trying his best to survive? We see this nigga who got like four kids by three different baby moms. Like we see these um, archetypes mm-hmm. of who think black and brown men are. And then we start to peel back those levels of hardness mm-hmm. to get to the soft flower that each of these men were born to be. Um, and so that's pretty much the journey of soft. And like that was the journey that I went on in my life uh, to get from one point to the next point. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, first of all, thanks, because you were able to answer my question before I even asked it. So that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm talking too much. <laughs> No, I'm it's, just good. About it's good. I'm like, he's making my job easy. Pop. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought if he knock him out the park, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's teamwork, make the dream work right there. Okay. Yes. Um, wow. I'm I'm sitting there listening to the way that you just broke it down. And in my mind, I'm like, and I don't know if you want me to speak this into existence, but I'm like, it would be so <laughs> sexy for you and uh, you and Kahende to do something together. Ooh, Lord have mercy. And so here's the thing. I'm so, come on, universe. <laughs> I feel myself not trying to get uh, emotional because I really do believe that everything has a divine order. Absolutely. Um, and every moment is meant to be in your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say that to say for you to mention Kahende, uh, at the, the audiences don't even see this mm-hmm. um if you like get a copy of my plays it'll be in there uh but at the top of every play is always a quote mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to start writing a play if i don't know what the quote is because for me the quote helps guide me and navigate me through the world that i'm yeah. creating so soft was the first play that i didn't have a quote wow Soft instead of uh, an actual written quote for me uh, at the top of the play for like the actors, for the directors, when they flip through the pages, one of the first thing that they see right after the title page is this quote. And so for soft, opposed to being an actual written quote, it is a visual quote. And the visual quote is a photo from Kehinde Wally and it's of a black wow. man at the flowers. Um, so for you to say that, I'm like, yes, that is exactly <laughs> soft is in play form and like within the play uh you like literally uh at certain moments in the play flowers start to rain down on these boys um and flowers start to bloom around their feet um 
so yeah, so I'm 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 really glad that that you said that. Come on, uh, <laughs> listen. We said it was gonna be the whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Organic, on point the entire time. <laughs> talk. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna transition into something a little different, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's a question that I've always wanted to ask you specifically. Uh, because I don't know if you I and I have ever talked about <laughs> you silly. <laughs> What's it about to give? <laughs> <laughs> what tea yeah. you want me to spill? <laughs> okay, so talk to me about the importance as a writer to challenge yourself in telling stories that aren't your own. I know for me, some of the most exhilarating feelings I've gotten from writing have been telling stories that aren't mine, mostly because I always make space for my stories and I look for them to look and sound like me. But I love a challenge. So do you think these moments are needed as a writer? To to tell stories that are not our own, mm-hmm. if, if those moments are needed? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do believe it's in order to grow in your craft Mm -hmm. and just in order to grow as a human being it is really uh wise and it is uh really fruitful to like expand beyond what you know right uh like i said for if anything for growth within your craft and just within your humanness Mm -hmm. uh i think it, it is really really important to grow uh a lot of so here's what i've done and i've thought of this in terms of writers that I admire, of stories that I've heard from writers uh, who have existed in an extremely professional level, i.e. like Broadway, uh, like Hollywood, being able to still be yourself. Mm -hmm. And so how can you be yourself and tell your story in a story that you would never see yourself in at all. Right. How can you still be able to get into these completely different worlds Mm -hmm. that you may not be related to in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but still be able to find yourself in there? Yeah. Um, yeah. I do believe that is what really makes for the strongest uh, writing is if you can find yourself in the story and have that be your, like, entry point into the piece and of course the piece can go in any direction and when it's all said and done on the outside it may not look like your walk but you were able to find an entry point and to start that walk yeah Uh, and so like that's what i think is so exhilarating for me as a storyteller as a writer to find my entry point into stories yeah and flesh those out even further and seeing what the world becomes like getting back to soft um i don't i i have no clue um what it's like to have uh three kids by like two different women i have no clue what it's like to be uh like on a corner being able to like hold down a block in order to survive i have no clue what a lot of these uh characters and soft have been through uh but i do have an idea yeah and i do know of people in my life who have had that journey or those journeys but i i at the end of the day had to find my way into uh this play into this narrative to be able to tell this a fuller 
um, story. And I think that's one of the most, like I said, exhilarating, exciting, and scary as fuck things uh, as a storyteller. Like telling, just telling stories in general. Yeah. Telling stories in general is no joke and it can, it takes a lot out of you. And just making sure that you are um, equipped in who you are to tell these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you were saying all of that, you made me think about a character that I had to play before, which was very mm-hmm. difficult for me. Um, as I've shared, I don't, I, I believe I may have shared it on the podcast um, during our sexual assault episode, or maybe not, but I was in a physically abusive relationship when I was in my early 20s. Not sure if it's anything you and I ever talked about. Lord knows, when you uh, came over to the house in New York that day and interviewed me, I felt like I told you my whole life. <laughs> I feel like I told you more than I've ever told anybody. But, I remember uh, that vividly. Listen, uh, but yeah, so I was in an abusive relationship, and the character that I had to play was the abuser. And this is only a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So he was the abuser, and he was uh, he was a really, really bad guy. And so I'm sitting there like, okay, so I have to play this character. How am I going to find how I can identify with him without being like triggered as fuck? <laughs> yeah. Think, thinking about what it is that I've been through, you know? Ooh, yeah. So I enjoy having moments where I can be method about things, you know, and just lose myself in a character. And then that's who I'm going to be for the entirety of us going through this process. Yeah. So... The only thing I was able to find is that he felt misunderstood. Mm. And when I found that, I said, Ooh. okay. Mm-hmm. You I had your way in. Moments. There's my way in. Because mm. I, I just knew. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to connect with you. Because every time I have to get into who you are and what it is that you do, if I'm going to lose myself in you, I'm going to keep coming back out thinking about me. Mm-hmm. So the minute I started thinking about him feeling misunderstood, there was my way in. Yeah. Then I was able to completely lose myself and go into it. And it really, really helped. And I complete I left I left looking at that character differently. A a bad person, of course. Yeah. But I allowed myself to look at the things that created him to be the monster that he was. Yeah. You know? It changed things. For sure. And like I think that's one of the most beautiful things about what it is uh that we do as creatives, as uh storytellers is it reminds us. It, it reminds us and it challenges us to really see the humanity in each other. Yeah. To really see the humanity in one another. Um, and come from, as much as we possibly can, a non-judgmental space. Right. Which can be super duper hard. Um, especially if if you're talking about the type of character that like you had to play. Right. It can be super hard. Um, and still with that, like who is... this person not who i think this person is but who is this person right um which i think is is it takes a lot of strength yeah um it takes a lot of strength to be able to do something like that and to be able to honor these people's story in a way that doesn't feel like we're being judgmental but in a way that we see who these people are Right. right yeah okay so i just finished asking you about what the process is like for you and if you think it's necessary to tell other people's stories conversely Mm -hmm. what is it like telling your stories unapologetically black and queer stories within white spaces child everything (laughs) (laughs) i mean every single thing and like i was like that's gonna be the answer but i'm like let me go on let me elaborate let me elaborate elaborate just a little bit it's um 
it is everything in terms of being able to fully show blackness, to be able to fully show queerness, and to be able to, particularly why it's everything, to challenge these spaces. Yeah. Uh, in terms of this is who you think we are, but no, this is who we really are. So I had, uh, so I'm working on a trilogy that explores queer love during pivotal moments in black history. It explores, which is it's called The Love Plays. And it explores queer love during slavery, play one. Play two explores queer love during the civil rights movement. Play three explores queer love during the Black Lives Matter movement. So I had a production uh, here in New York a few weeks ago of the third play um, in the middle. And that play is for me, and, and probably because it's the most recent, it's set during the Black Lives Matter movement, so it's set now, so right. I can really connect to that play. Right. And so I say that to say, that's why for me the play feels the most blackest. Yeah. And a lot of audience members, the black audience members, um, just about after every single show, there was at least one person mm -hmm. who said, um, oh, I can tell how much you really love black people. Mm. Like, this feels like us. And so, the last show, um, and I'm, I can be a bit of a, a scaredy cat. Um, <laughs> and my, like, anxiety can, like, take over me. So, once the shows are over... Yeah. Um, I would, I would always stay in the theater in the very back. Everyone would, like, go to, like, the lobby to talk. Right. I, I, I even know some people probably wanted to, were waiting for me to talk to me. Right. Um, but it was, it was no shade. <laughs> and then it was just like, whoo, this is overload. And so I say that to say, uh, my husband went to the uh, lobby. He was just, like, waiting for me. Yeah. And he was sitting there, and it was him uh, and a few other black folk. Uh, who were just sitting there, um, and this super old white lady, he says, this is what he says to me, comes over, and he sees all these, she sees all these black people talking about the play. Yeah. And, uh, and so she had to insert herself. Right. And she had to ask, what did y'all think about the play? Mm -hmm. um, and they shared their thoughts. And she says, hmm, that writer needed an editor. It was so much going on, and I can take uh, critiques. Right. I walk on critiques. I can be able to grow. I understood, and this is everything that my husband was telling me. I under I realized the space that she was operating under from the next thing that my husband said. She said, which is the only person, the only writer who can write epic family dramas is Shakespeare, and so that let me know. Oh, right. I get a sense of the type of woman that, that you are. Yeah. Um, if there are black family dramas, it has to be of this specific thing. Right. And then also, keep it in mind, every time I write, all I think about is black people. Yeah. I think about the black people on stage, and I think about the black people in the audience. Right. And whoever else that is not a part of this community that sees my work, you need to consider yourself lucky. And I'm being mm -hmm. very honest. I'm being very honest because what I hope that I do is that I write a very specific blackness mm -hmm. um, because specificity goes a super duper long way. Yeah. And like, like my auntie Oprah say is love in the detail. So I try to be as detailed as possible Listen. when writing about us. And so 
I can imagine, and it's not far-fetched, that this old white woman will leave out of my play and say that she doesn't get it, that it was too much going on, because there were so many specific things happening that she's not a part of that world. She's not a part of that mindset. So that's why I say, uh, to tell black stories in white spaces, I get my life from it. I love, above all, um, having our stories be told to us. and being able to see our stories um and and why i also love my stories being told in white spaces because it really does i will hope challenge uh whiteness and to see okay you you may think you know blackness but this is blackness and consider yourself lucky to be able to see blackness in such a way in such a way that um doesn't have the white gaze attached to it. Yeah. And I think about Toni Morrison. Child, I'm just going on and on and on. But I think about Toni <laughs> And I remember once she was talking about, um, she was reading a writer's work, a younger writer. Yeah. And she said, this writer went on for pages upon pages describing these things describing something and she was like why is this writer doing this i know what this writer is talking about right one paragraph but you went on pages describing this thing she said ah i get it this writer is writing with the white gaze in mind Mm. so this writer had to make sure to break things down for whiteness right when tony and her black self, she got what this writer was trying to say within one paragraph. Right. And I, when she said this, I actually had to check myself in my writing. Yeah. Be like, Diane, you know what? Nope. You are not ever again going to write with the white gaze in mind. And then I took it a step further. For me, you also are not going to write with a straight gaze in mind. Come on. As black as you possibly can write, you're going to write as queer as you possibly can write. And again, not sounding like a broken record, but whoever comes within my stories who don't identify with these identities, consider yourself very lucky to see our stories in such a way. Yeah. 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 Go out there and educate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It, it is not my job to do that. It's, it's my job to tell stories. Listen. It's Listen, my job to tell these stories. You are opening doors. It's their decision to walk through. Exactly. Come on now. <laughs> I ain't nobody Google. I ain't nobody Wikipedia. I'm somebody's Don Ye, And that's what it is. Listen. Very much. Somebody's Don Ye. Come on now. Shout out to my bestie Brandon. Yes. Hey, <laughs> my husband. <laughs> 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 okay, so you brought up uh, the love plays, and that was actually going to be my next question. So I want you to talk to me about what the process has been like, what the journey has been like for you, and how has it challenged you to write the love plays? Um, it's been one of the most beautiful, fruitful, affirming experiences uh, that I've had thus far as a writer. I... Started the Love Plays in 2016, January 2016 to be exact. Um, so I remember this had to have been at this point maybe eight years ago. Um, I was reading Terrell, Terrell Alvin McCraney's book mm-hmm. uh, or The Secret of Sweet. And there was a passage, and I remember talking about all of my plays. There has to be a quote right. that gets me to the world 
my play at the top of Sugar and Our Wounds, the quote in that play uh, at the very top is from Terrell's play, Marcus or the Secret of Sweet. And the quote is, one of the characters, um, her name was Shanta, was talking to the main character, Marcus. Yeah. And she was like, really probing him to figure out if he was gay. So she was in this very tongue-in-cheek way. She was talking about a million things at once, hoping to like uh, catch him off guard so he could say, like, yes, I'm gay. And one of the things that she shared when she was probing him was she remember hearing that during slavery, uh, the slave masters would uh, whip the male slaves who were intimate with each other. Mm. And this blew my mind. Because like I said, this was about eight or nine years ago. It blew my mind because I never thought about queerness during slavery yeah. at all. Yeah. And then what happened right after it was this mind-blown moment, I became really upset. I became really upset with myself of, Danye, why wouldn't you exist during that time? Come on. Right? Why do you think it just poof in the 60s or 70s you came into the right. scene? And so what happens with me when I get really upset, uh, I have to write. Mm -hmm. And so I actually didn't sit down and physically uh, write the play for from reading um, Terrell's play to when I actually started my play. So about that eight year period, the characters were just going off in my head. Right. Until they got to the point where they're like, all right, nigga, I'm tired <laughs> of being trapped here. All right, I'm ready to live life to the fullest. So January 2016, <laughs> I sat down and I started uh, to write it. And Brandon uh, is the first person to read all of my plays, yeah. uh, every draft. God bless him. He'll read every draft of uh, every play. <laughs> and so this was January 2016. I wrote the first draft. And I want to say it was April or May of 2016, uh, we're walking to the grocery store, uh, not too far from uh, where we lived in Brooklyn, and we were talking about sugar, and I think at this point I might have been on like draft three, so we were just talking about it, of like what I want to do next, of like all of these like playwrightery things, right. and I, I did in my tracks and I said, I think Sugar in Our Wounds, which is the first play, is a part of a trilogy. He's like, that's cool, Danye, but we got to hurry up and get these groceries before the store closes. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. I think it's a part of a trilogy that explores queer love during pivotal moments in black history. And I think he even says, wow. And I don't even think we made it to the store because we got so hyped. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that the trilogy would be written in consecutive orders, right? So if I wrote the first play, which takes place during slavery, I thought the next play would be uh, the play that takes place during the Civil Rights Movement, and then I would write the play that takes place during the Black Lives Matter Movement. Yeah. But that didn't happen. Right. The summer of 2016, that's when Arton Sterling was killed by police. Mm -hmm. And then the very next day, Philando Castile was killed by police. Mm -hmm. And I said... Let me correct myself. It wasn't me saying this. The story was saying, I'm next. Come on. Come on. Told right. And it just so happened I had a fellowship um, at this uh, playwright center here in New York. And they were going on a retreat for the summer. Yeah. And so I hooked him up and said, hey, uh, do you still have space for me to come on this retreat? So for that entire week uh, in July, I was at Vassar College working on uh, In the Middle, which is the third piece in the trilogy. Yeah. And in 
October is when I started um, the, the the second play in the trilogy, which is called Fireflies, and that takes place on the civil rights movement. And between all three plays, that was the hardest one for me to write yeah. because I stepped outside of what my process is. Mm-hmm. And normally, I'll, I'll just write the stories, and then I'll come back and do research and interviews. I just want to get the story out first, right. and then I want to do everything else to help add to the story. But for this particular story, since it takes place uh, during the Civil Rights Movement, and it's just two characters, the main character is a black woman, mm-hmm. I interview my grandma and my great-grandma right. to see what it was like to be black woman during this time period. And then also this with Danye being hype. Oh, I could just sit down and talk to these amazing black women in my life to hear their stories. Um, and so I was so hyped to just interview them that I did that. And so once I collected this information, I sat down uh, to start to write Fireflies. And it was so hard because all I could think about was my grandma and my great-grandma right. and everything they told me. I, I, It was hard to think about the characters. I was just thinking about these two women in my life. And I had to get to a point and say, Danye, you love your mama, you love your nana, you got to put their stories on the back burner right now to tell these two characters' story. And then you can come back to your mama and nana and listen to what they said and see how that influences and incorporates its way into uh, the story. Right. So it was an amazing process telling the love plays because it helped me really uh, see myself in history. Yeah. It helped me really uh, connect to who I am and my blackness and my queerness and understand the fullness of who I am as it relates to just the world and my place in the world. So I'm going to yeah. say something. Um, and you may have already heard this. But I need to say it for me. So I know that you're going to be the first Donye. That that's already understood. You're going to be the first Donye love. We got that. Mm-hmm. But you are the queer August Wilson. Ooh, that's and big. That that's like real talk. Like <laughs> I sat here <laughs> and I'm listening to you talk, and I'm sitting here listening listening to, and I already knew about the love plays. I knew about which each one. The periods, everything. I don't know why it took so long for this to hit me. But I'm sitting here listening to you talking about each one. And I'm like, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me before. This, I knew how epic the shit was going to be. But I didn't realize that that's what it is. You are the queer August Wilson. Wow. And I'm like, the real, it, one, it, it, it lets me know just how important your works are. But it also lets me know the legs that your works are going to have. Mm. I mean, come on now. This 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 amazing brother has a freaking theater <laughs> in Manhattan. Very like, much. Come on now. Listen. Yeah. Like, and and that's the reason why I had to stress. We know that you're going to be the first Don Ye love, you know. So I don't want that to get lost in what it is that I'm saying. But I'm just saying the 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 power, the necessariness of your work, the way that it's going to expand through generations. That is what your plays are going to do for us as queer black men. You are going to be our August Wilson. Mm. Well, thank you. And that's that's big. That's really, really big. And I humbling and I do remind myself um, that it it's not about me. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's, it's really not. It really is about these characters and it's about their stories and really honoring them to their fullness 
honoring them to their fullness. And like, I love, I love to tell stories about, um, just those like true gritty gutter black folks <laughs> that seriously like that the world forgets yeah. that they deem as um uh, unimportant yeah that they say that uh, our lives don't matter like those are the people who i really love to write about like literally and in the middle the last play in my trilogy that takes place on the civil rights movement uh the main character is this black woman. Her son was uh, gunned down by police. She's this black woman. She got Honey Blonde, Mary J. Blast with the 411 hair. Yeah. And she is the type of woman who will get up on camera and say, like, fuck you in a minute. Does not care right. whatsoever. And, and then it's also because, one, honoring her. And then also I became really curious um, and really wanted to explore what does who are we to say that this woman doesn't deserve to grieve right. in the way that she knows how to grieve right. why does her grief have to look and be printed a certain way so that it can be palatable for the world right. if she wants to scream at the top of her lungs if she wants to say fuck you to the police um, she can say that she has every right to say that and her story is still valid and still needs to be told and her grief is still very real because at, at the end of the day she lost a child Right. Um, and so like I say that to say those are the stories those are the people who I love to write about people who uh you would render as we were talking about this. You would render as invisible, right? right? That you wouldn't see, that you don't think needs to be seen. Um, so thank you for saying that. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. So is there anything else that you would like to share with the Misfits? Anything you have coming up? Anything that you feel like needs to be known? Um, <clears throat> I would just say the... The one thing that, that that just keeps popping in my mind right now, we were talking about like journey and we were talking about uh, being in one place and having a journey and getting to the uh, next place. Right. Um, I'm just, I'm so excited and just so, so grateful and blessed to be where I am right now. Cause I, so what got me into playwriting um, I've always written, I've written, um, poetry, I've written short stories, uh, I've written monologues before I even knew they were monologues, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what got me into specifically writing plays is, uh, when I found out uh, in December of 2008, uh, that I was HIV positive yeah. and what ended up happening for me is I was in a very, very dark space um, not comfortable with who I was anymore, didn't know who I was anymore. Um, so a lot of things that got me through that, uh, was negative. Right. And I latched on to writing, in right. particular writing plays, and something super interesting started happening. On top of the support from, like, loved ones, yeah. I was able to become healed. And I felt like writing, in particular plays and theater, was quite literally saving my life. Come on. And the more I wrote about these 
people, the more plays I wrote, uh, the more affirmed I started to feel. Yeah, the yeah. more I started to understand who I am and what my purpose is. And so that is one thing uh, that I felt myself just like wanting to share of just like sticking through right. in those like dark times uh, when you may not, when you don't even recognize yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, that brings you, even if it's a glimmer of joy and a glimmer of light, hang on to that, hold on to that as fiercely as you possibly can. Because, again, on top of the love and on top of the people in my life, it was writing that really saved me and that really helped me understand that there is, as cliche and as cheesy as it sounds, a light at the end of this tunnel. That's fact. Right there, that's fact. (laughs) But yeah... (laughs) <laughs> so uh soft premieres that's april the 11th right a wednesday april the 11th this wednesday. Coming wednesday. Yeah. yes uh for the new black fest and the first play uh in the trilogy well let me jump back real quick uh the second play in the trilogy fireflies mm-hmm. the one that takes place on the civil rights movement uh april 20th uh we're having a reading of that uh here in new york Mm -hmm. and you can go to uh new dramatist uh dot com Mm -hmm. or maybe new org to get tickets for that Mm -hmm. and the first play in the trilogy sugar in our wounds which explores queer love during slavery Mm -hmm. is having its world premiere production at manhattan theater club uh, here in New York, and it's uh, as a off Broadway production. Yes, it is. And you can hey, uh, <laughs> and you can go to manhattantheaterclub.com to get tickets, and all tickets are uh, thirty dollars. It doesn't matter what day, what show you come to see it. Every single ticket for the entire run, and it's about a five week run. Come on, uh, tickets will be thirty dollars. Yes. Yeah. Let me yeah, check yeah, out. Yeah. I'm I'm coming back home in June and you better come on back home. Listen, but I was gonna be leaving literally the week before Sugar and I listen you you <laughs> about five weeks. I'm like, well, that that would be so much time. I would feel dumb. Like, okay, I should have been yeah. at least some point in the five weeks. So I may yeah. have to stay home a, a week longer so that I can be able to see it. Come on through. As soon as you first started talking about the plays, I was like, okay, I have to see at least one in person. There's no way. I'm like, mm-mm. And, and and sugar, uh, this this production, um, I just I can just feel that my spirit is going to be super beautiful. Yeah, being able to tell this story. Absolutely. Um, so come on through. Absolutely. So come if, on through. Uh, <laughs> if people want to walk with you on social media, how would they be able to do that? I better walk with me uh, <laughs> on Facebook. It's Danye R Love. That's D O N J A. Uh, Danye R Love on Instagram. It's uh, I decided to put my full government out there. It's uh, <laughs> Danye Rakim Love. Come on, on Instagram. Come on, middle name. Uh, I love my middle name. Come on, Rakim. Uh, but it's Danye Rakim Love on uh instagram and actually on twitter i do have a twitter my husband actually created the twitter for me um and the only time <laughs> i see you on twitter is when you're liking things that he says <laughs> he has literally told me time and time again nigga i'm gonna block you <laughs> okay because <laughs> literally i'm 
<laughs> like I'll, I'll tweet and I'll retweet things. Yeah. Um, literally, I'm on there always like whatever he is saying, and I wear him the fuck out because of it. Um, I but get a notification. I feel like Twitter's doing too much though, because I'll get notifications, <laughs> and I'm like, "What the dong yay? Oh, it's just telling me he liked what Brandon said while Brandon and I were talking. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, no shade, like other people be like, "Wait, well, Donnie, you being shady because he don't like the stuff I be saying." But whenever Brandon is having a conversation with me, then he'll like it. No, it's, 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 like, and then and, and then it's also because I've I've gotten to a point now because I've been doing it for so long, and I can tell we're getting his skin a little bit. Uh, but I'm like, I can't stop now. I gotta fully. I have to fully commit to this you mission. Of commit. Mine. Plus, he's the one. He's the one that brought me into the world of Twitter. So, what could what would he expect? Um, I'm just honoring him. Right. Um, and so on Twitter, it's Danye R Love. Let me go back because I don't understand how anybody can consider it being shade. Danye and I are friends on Instagram. Donye, you could have put up something at nine o'clock in the morning. Donye has a busy schedule. <laughs> Donye will get back on Instagram at nine PM and if he likes you or if he's into your page, will like every picture you posted that day. I Donye really will support you on social media. So. I really will. And so here's the thing, and then also it makes me feel a little like Donye, you need to relax because like I'll start to feel a little unbalanced mm-hmm. where um, if, especially on Instagram, yeah. if I don't see everything that the people who I follow posted, right. if I don't see all of their IG stories, I feel like, whoo, something, <laughs> something is up. The world is all killed to Donya. You got to find a way to get back in there. And I remember one time I was going through, uh, my timeline for about maybe two hours, making sure I liked everything. Wow. Have mercy. Lord have mercy. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's how I feel at the end of it. My goodness. Like I just I need to deactivate my accounts if this is what I'm going to do. But yeah. Well that's yeah. the reason why I make sure I always show your Instagram page love because I'm like, he takes out the time to come back and find all six of our pictures we didn't put up that day. At the very least with his one picture a month ass, we can, <laughs> we can take our tails to his page. Very much. That is what I give. I'm there, but I'm not there. <laughs> that's what and I get. That's the gag. That's the gag. You're like, wait a minute, but he on here all the time. Like, you're like, no, bitch, I ain't mean I had to post something on my page though. I'm coming to exactly. show you up. Very much that. <laughs> Very much that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you gave the social media, but you also have websites. So if people want to be able to come to your website, uh, yes. Listen, I'm, uh, I'm looking out for you. <laughs> you are on it, and I'm not mad at it whatsoever. I'm like, wait, I got a website. You better believe it. Um. <laughs> So, uh, Brandon and I, we have an organization uh, called the Each Other Project, which is geared towards creating community and uh, visibility for queer folks of color. Mm-hmm. And we do different events. We primarily have uh, a multitude of web series and short films. Yeah. And to see our work and to know about the things that we have coming up, you can visit our website, which is the Each Other Project dot com. And again, that is the Each Other Project dot com to be able to just see all of the work that we have and whatever we 
have coming up this uh, geared towards the LGBTQ community of color. Listen, and they have some good stuff. You want to make sure you check out the web series, documentaries, short stories. Listen, <laughs> they got some good stuff up on there. And I'll make sure that I put the links to all of this in the description for the podcast as well, because he has a lot going on. So I know y'all, your minds are kind of circling right now. <laughs> so we're going to make it easy for you. <laughs> You go in that description so you don't have no excuse. You get all Donye one-stop shop right there in the descriptions. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on The Healing Space. Thank you for having me. This was so amazing and just what I needed today. Thank you. This, this was uh, literally my one day off and this was so... Like, this is what I needed. And thankfully, my one day off is at the top of the week. So I'll be propelled and affirmed and fueled for the rest of the week. So thank you so much. You are more than welcome. As I said before, as I was going to say throughout the course of this, I am proud of you. You are so <laughs> necessary. I love to see you shine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's get it. Let's tell these stories. Come on. Listen. You're going to get these stories one way or another. All right. <laughs> All right, Misfits, and now it's time for the next poem by C. Thomas. Today, I have no fucks to give. Life, it is what it is. Let your beauty shine deservingly. Live free, abundantly. Be joyous. The world is yours for the taking. Let no man put asunder, claim your victories, each one a trophy. Stand strong, be proud, you've earned this. Today, have no fucks to give. Tell sorrow you have no power over me. Your insecurities are blessings. Consciously let them guide you, let you find you. Face your fears, tears drown face, shedding is necessary. I am prize, your future is before you. Never look back, pack light, no heavy loads, no burdens to bear, and remember every star danced with darkness today. Have no fucks to give. Don't let others' opinions mold you. Don't let their misery keep you company. Let not their negativity become you. You have to do what's best for you. Letting go is never easy. Just because it's good to you doesn't mean it's good for you. You're not a stepping stone. You were born to rise. You were born to succeed. You're everything your mama meant for you to be today. Have no fucks to give. Prove to you that you're the best. Never wait for anyone to approve you. Speak to the universe. Dine with God. Settle for nothing less. Always aim for greatness and remember while doing these things. Have no fucks to give. You don't owe anyone an explanation. And now it is time for good news. Yeah. All right. 
channel party, you know. We gotta celebrate. Is, is that what you're doing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't she have some song on there called like What is it called? Bacardi. <laughs> Silent. What is it called? Is it Bacardi? Bardi or something? Uh, uh, Bardi and Cardi, I think. There we go. Okay. I think. I didn't name the song, but that one's been out with 21 Savage. Although I know you don't know who that is. There we go. I was a true I think, I think he's the one in Amber Rose. I think. I can't keep up with which, um, I'm about to say video chick, but they're not video chicks. But which... Young, um, uh, plastic surgery getting baby mama in rap is dating which young rapper? Lord, there we go. I swear, I, I thought that. you were going for something better. Jesus, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, he felt maybe he was offensive when he said that, so he's gonna change it up to something. No, no, he's not. Okay, okay, that was offensive. <laughs> plastic surgery having whatever if baby she mama surgery, like, she got it when she a baby mama she a baby mama i can't <laughs> baby mama's not offensive oh okay baby mother is that better is mother does that make it more proper like they're not together they got a child together so that's his baby mama mm-hmm. like both get divorced and that would still be his baby mother okay not the mother of his children no it's his baby mama same thing <laughs> It's moments, I, like, anyway. it's moments like this where I'm happy that we have music playing behind us now so I don't have to feel bad if I go silent because I'm <laughs> like you almost left me speechless just now I was like oh okay is it not, is it not the same thing? listen we're going to go ahead and move on <laughs> that's a whole conversation in itself and this is good news I don't even know how we got here <laughs> having a baby is good news so yeah it's a blessing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so <laughs> What is your good news this week, sir? My, my good news is, is that uh, I posted something to Instagram, not realizing that it was going to have the reaction that it had. Um, the way that my personal page is set up is because I like to have a certain type of order. Um, I love going to Instagram pages where you can see there's a certain theme that's happening. I love it. It looks really pretty. And so I decided. I hate that, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you're channeling, channeling old school Brandon at the beginning of when the podcast first started back, back last year. I'm like, but does he ate everything? Like, um, but I, uh, I have the same uh, theme for my pictures going across all three. Because you know, when you're on Instagram, it's three pictures across, three pictures across. Mm-hmm. So I always have the exact same theme. Um, so, like, it'll be, like, three selfies of me or three yoga poses, uh, the exact same yoga pose going across three. Or I'll be, like, on top of Stone Mountain and I'll have three yoga poses. Or I'll go out to dinner with friends, so it's all, you know, three themed across there. So, I decided that I wanted to post three pictures of me uh, doing Reiki and doing meditation at an event that I was a part of. And so, well, more like a workshop. So I posted the pictures and went about my business. This is on Saturday. So I'm like, okay. And I posted it earlier in the morning. I usually don't post on weekends because I don't usually get a lot of attention on any of my pictures on the weekends. So I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to go ahead and post them up uh, because I want to. You know, I was like, it was a really special time for me. Uh, It was a really important class when I was teaching my loving kindness. So I posted the picture. And the next thing you know, I went to teaching my yoga class. 
I come from out of teaching my class and I go to look at my phone and I'm like, wow, I have all these inboxes, people talking about they want to set up sessions with me. And then. uh, Okay. (laughs) Uh, You're doing all this and they can't see you. I need for sounds to be able to call. (laughs) He is having a whole church moment right now. I'm not. This is why I'm going to be looking at him myself. (laughs) If we were just over the phone, I wouldn't be able to see any of this stuff. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. He's not going to do this to me. (laughs) So. I, I actually had my friend, one of my friends who I went to their brunch on Sunday, he actually inboxed me. No, he commented under the picture. And he said, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware that you were a um, certified Reiki practitioner. And I was like, I don't, you, I honestly don't bring it up to a lot of people. And I don't know if it's because I understand. Initially, I didn't bring it up because I'm not as far along in my practice as some of my other friends. But Mm -hmm. I've been, I was certified years ago. So it's not like something that I'm not very well versed in when it comes to Reiki. I think I just put myself down because some of my friends are masters in Reiki. And I haven't Mm -hmm. gotten that far. But I am capable of healing, you know. So I was like, I need to stop putting myself down when it comes to my practice and walk in my purpose. Come on, no! Um, (laughs) So I told them, you know, I was like, I apologize. I don't promote it as much as I do, you know, life coaching and... Uh, yoga and meditation but it is something that I do and that you know I feel like my I I want my grandmother to be proud of me and she was the first person to ever tell me that I was a healer so I was like I need to know to walk in that so Um, so yeah yeah so that that's some really good news because I would have honestly posted the pictures and then just kept pushing but the response that I got from it I actually had people who set up they they have sessions coming up with me in the next week so I was like wow Wow. Okay. That that was that was a blessing. So yeah. If 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 anyone's listening, I am a uh, a Reiki practitioner certified. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not dealing with you. Ah, ah, man. Anyway, <laughs> what is your good news, sir? <laughs> I feel bad going after that. That was just all deeply encouraging and moving. I'm healed. Okay? <laughs> It's the purpose of the podcast. There we go. <laughs> Let's get healed. I'm healed. There we go. Just goodbye, anonymous. Like all of it. What man? I don't even. What's that left to say? Yes. Woo. Okay. Really? Right, let me come back. Let me come back. So, mm-hmm. see, I just feel like my news is so basic. Like, I mean, you don't have to. We can, <laughs> We, we we can let no, you have good news next week and it'll be all good. <laughs> I went to the K Roger this morning and I finally have some groceries again. I'm excited. And, and excited. for people who don't know what K Roger is, can you can you inform them of the actual name? Oh, Kroger. Thank A lot you. of people like to say Kroger's. <laughs> but yeah. So I went to the grocery store. I did that. Let me some groceries. Mm-hmm. Stop eating out. So it's like, listen, come on now. Let's save some money. Please. Because we don't have no more. It's going to last on these groceries so we can eat for a couple weeks instead of just being able to put an next two days. Come on. Speak truth right there. Speak truth. (laughs) And there's no meals over here. So. Yeah. All here for that grocery life, for real. (laughs) I'll tell people, I'm like, look, I can get down to my last dime. You can be sure I'm going to eat. Which is funny because I always tell people about how I feel when it comes to food. So it's funny that I feel that way. But you don't eat much. Listen, 
<laughs> Listen, I'll tell everybody I will be the best date ever. <laughs> you do not have to spend a whole lot of money. Let's be very clear. <laughs> Some people would like that. Some, Some people, people hate when they um I've seen I, I, uh, you know they like go on a date somewhere fancy <clears throat> and then they order something like basically they're like that's all you getting what I want listen it's what I want but you know I'm not going to stay on this because you know this conversation triggers me because so. <laughs> I'm just saying because I would order something and I ain't like it then you better waste your money so let me go for what I know I taste what's on your plate though mm-hmm. I'll do that <laughs> just in here shaking my head like because mm-hmm. <laughs> i get started on this we got a whole new episode coming so <laughs> next time the healing space right <laughs> so we would like to thank once again donye our love for the awesome conversation and c thomas for sharing his wonderful poetry as i yes. stated earlier in the show make sure that you walk with c thomas on Instagram at underscore C dot Thomas. You can listen to every episode of THS Podcast on our official website, THSPodcast.com, as well as on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and more. If they'd like to walk with you on social media, how do you do that, BHW? Uh, on Twitter and on Instagram mm-hmm. at Just Call Me Otis. <laughs> if you'd yes. like to walk with THS, that would be underscore THS podcast on Twitter and on Instagram, it is THS podcast. To walk with me, and if you'd like to set up any yoga, Reiki, or meditation sessions, that would be Scorpiogi across all platforms. Scorpiogi. You can also find all of this information in the description for this episode. So I think we're done, BHW. How about you? Yes. Um. Again, if you're listening right now, Go on whatever platform you're on, like it, leave a comment, subscribe, Mm -hmm. share, tell your mama, (laughs) tell your daddy, (laughs) tell your niece and your nephew, (laughs) and we appreciate you. Just do all of that. We absolutely do. We absolutely do. Join us next week as we're going to be healing through leadership with our featured guest, Sean Moore. So definitely make sure you join us. We love you guys as always. And until next week, namaste.